Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hello there, you're listening to Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert, and I'm speaking today with Bill Jakes, who is the president of Luminate Lighting. We're talking all about energy auditing, LED retrofitting. You know, Bill, during the break, we were chatting about uh, what what are the differences, I guess, between lighting that's available in Europe compared to that you can purchase outside of China, for instance, and then, of course, our next-door neighbors here in North America, the uh, the U.S. of A., in comparison to Canada. So mm. what uh, what kind of mandates or restrictions and what kind of items can be purchased? I guess, um, I guess it would be a major cost difference, wouldn't there? Well, there is. That's controlled by all, all kinds of external forces like any product that's being manufactured. Europe tends to be a little bit more expensive. Uh, the United States, basically anywhere outside of China is going to be more expensive. Uh, and uh, China's uh, very aggressive in the LED market. It's uh, something that they, there's 100,000 LED companies in China. I mean, it's 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 a massive, massive. How in- many? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what did you? There's 100,000 LED. 100,000 yeah. LED. Wow. They're, oh, my God. That's unbelievable. Well, you know what? It's, uh, as I said earlier, the LED is based in electronics. It's not based in lighting. So what you've got is you have tons and tons and tons of companies that are are creating a single app that they've designed somehow, and they start working out that way. Some of them succeed. Lots of them fail. So there's been that kind of development in the industry. Now, there are huge players now and they, you know, that are swallowing up basically the good ideas, and the, the market is really stabilizing through that growth. But by and large, your your best priced items are going to come out of uh, out of China. Where it gets uh, complicated bringing it over to North America is that uh, our voltages here are obviously different than they are in China, and then again different than they are in Europe. So an application that's designed for two hundred and twenty voltage in Europe is not going to work here. An application that's designed to work strictly with DC lighting or 24 volts DC that's running in China is not going to work here. You've got to have uh, separate uh, drivers that that will adapt the applications to work with our voltages here. So then you get into a whole uh, network of approval requirements at various levels of uh, government and then you have a level of approvals that's required to uh, access different types of incentives. So, for example, you can have a product that is approved by ULC or CSA, so it's perfectly acceptable for a customer to buy and use in their condominium. Uh, It's perfectly acceptable for the corporation to buy. But if it doesn't have the additional DLC certification, which stands for Design Light Consortium, then it doesn't meet the requirement to qualify for incentives being offered by the government. So wow! It, so people, so basically, board of directors could have a meeting, decide on who, what service provider that they're going to choose in order to have the entire building replaced with all their lighting or or maybe the retrofitting, mm-hmm. and it may not comply. Absolutely. 
So that's the reason why they need the education. They need to make sure that they're basically enlisting the services of a company like your own. Yes, and and really, it's the uh, our approach is 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 we let them know and we give them choices. A lot of times, what you'll find is that the DLC certification has been uh, it, DLC originally uh, started in the United States. It was a consortium of Midwest uh, hydro suppliers and some American manufacturers that put the whole system together. And it was first used down in the United States. It's now been adapted up here in Ontario anyway. What happens is that uh, inevitably the products that have gone through all of those sequences of additional approvals end up being a more expensive product. So you, you, you're then, you're, it's, do you want to spend this much to get an, and get an incentive, or do you want to go with something that's uh, perhaps even newer and more advanced and at a lower price but without the incentive? Both having approvals and making them acceptable to the North American market. Well, you know, a few years ago, I remember that uh, there was all sorts of talk about mandatory that type of, you know, changes in lighting was mandatory. I remember going to some seminars and there was some buildings, board of directors who they wanted to jump in on the bandwagon immediately. So they didn't really want to wait until technology took its time kind of getting through all the new adjustments. And, and what happened was, is that I would imagine now those buildings might have been premature with the changes that they've made because it didn't become mandatory. The government actually changed direction. I'm going back. Do you recall any of that? I think it was about, I don't know. I think it was about maybe seven, seven years ago, possibly. And I remember being at this meeting and that's what they were talking about. And so many people, because it was a lot of people coming into the industry because they thought this was a great quick cash cow, really, you know, because all of a sudden it was going to be a mandatory uh, way to create energy efficiency through all the different buildings. And everybody under the sun started a new company and said, okay, fine, we're going to provide this service. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but then of course it changed because it didn't become mandatory. And now, you know, it's at a point right now where I think a lot of condominium boards know that they have to move that direction but it's not being forced upon them as of yet. Now, that may happen down the road. I don't know, but... It depends on the application. You know. For example, uh, T12s, fluorescent tubes, uh, When we, uh, the more efficient ones are called T8 and T5, and they tend to have a thin, thinner diameter by more than half over older-style T12 uh, tubes. Uh, the older-style tubes uh, uh, used to run on magnetic ballasts, uh, which were very inefficient, and a uh, list of other issues with them as well. But those were some of the ones that you're referring to. I think so. And they yeah. actually finally have got to the point where they're no longer making the ballast for that application. So if you have existing ballasts or a store of them, uh, you're okay for a little while, but when those run out, you can't get them anymore. And uh, so at that point, the, they're now forced to, to make a switch in most cases, Historically, they had been switching to the T8s, but more and more people are looking at taking that initial additional step and moving up to uh, the newer technology now that's becoming more mainstream. And and that's probably one of the key reasons why boards have to really pay attention to lighting in their buildings. Because, see, the problem is this, is that if they've gone ahead and did this, say, seven years ago, their reserve fund would not be able to be touched at this at this point. Because it wouldn't be a reserve fund item for them because they've already gone, they might have already capitalized on that seven years earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so then absolutely what we talked about earlier would be an operating budget expense. Yes. 
Right, yeah. but they can't. It, it's hard for them to absorb that in such a short period of time. Well, that's kind of the changing dynamic, and 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 this is just uh, modern technology meeting a historic method. I think uh, the way that the financial engineers look at uh, how they're managing the funds in a building has to change uh, because you know you may have it set where we've had a a life cycle replacement and that was part of the historic financial uh, plan for the building but now there's an opportunity two or three or four years down the road because of an improvement in technology to get such a return on investment out of the improvement in technology that its payback supersedes the concern with the reserve plan. So there has to be some kind of a mechanism to identify those opportunities and adjust as opposed to uh, sort of being locked into the way we've done things for the last 20 years because opportunities are being missed. Well, absolutely. And and that's the interesting part because it's engineers that are hired to do the reserve fund study. Mm. So, But they're, they're engineers, but they're not uh, expertise in the lighting world. No, certainly not. So, so then you get the different elements of what is in a condominium building. So if you're taking a look at a... If you're taking a look at a performance audit, you know, you've got to look at, okay, fine, there's new materials that are involved for roofing nowadays. There's new materials that are there for windows. I mean, we experienced that when uh, when we had all the buildings that had the falling glass, you know, the problem with their mortar, problem with their glass. So, you know, with new technologies coming into place on that. And then you've got the new technology, of course, in your lighting. So if all of this is being done and the performance audit audit that's put together for the reserve fund study if all of these pieces of the puzzle are not looked at in regards to today's technology then yes absolutely you know what we're not really on the full course for where we should be using the monies and how we use them and and for what reasons we would have to use them yes the building can actually fall behind with the fact that we're losing out on technology to save money because we don't have the right mechanism of how the entire studies are being done and what it is that they should be looking at. Yes, yes, that's very true. That's, that yeah. is really, that is something. I'd like to draw our Minister of Consumer Services' attention to that one because I don't think that's even been touched on. Mm. We've sat on the uh, Condo Act review and that topic hasn't even hit the table. Mm-hmm. As with the other topic, which actually had to do with uh, the Fire Association, the Fire Association Protection. I had them in the show actually about, uh, I guess, about three weeks ago. And I'm going to throw that one at you because that was really interesting. They said that if a building went ahead and started changing their lighting in their building, and because of, you know, I, I don't know what your electrical currents would be, but if things are moved or changed or maybe they start bringing in new types of um items that are going to create more usage of their electricity, then they really have to take a look at their fire panels and so on to make sure they haven't gone beyond what is needed in order for them not to have an overloaded circuit. Absolutely. That that came on the table. Isn't Mm. that an interesting one? Have you found that type of thing too? Uh, Well, there's, uh, it's certainly correct. I mean, if if you start piling on a circuit, you can overload it. Not as much of a concern in doing an LED retrofit because in all cases, we're probably, we're reducing by somewhere between 50 and 85, 90% of the consumption. So not going to cause a challenge there. Where I could see it be an issue and where we would have an engineer check on something like that would be sometimes I'll go into the buildings and the, the existing lighting is not to code. 
So they want to do a retrofit uh, to try and save money, but they also were, were stuck with the reality that you, you can't deliver a new solution to them that doesn't bring the lighting up to code. Now, one of the exciting things about LED is, uh, actually, I've got one going on like this right now. Uh, we need to increase by about a factor of 1.5 the overall lighting on the entire site, and it's a three-building site. With the efficiency of the lighting that we're putting in, we are doing that. We're exceeding code, and we're actually doing it in such a way that they will see a full payback of the project within the warranty period of the project. So that's, that gives you an idea of the potential that's there in savings for LED. But in that scenario, uh, absolutely, we have to have, because we're different areas of the building, we will be adding light fixtures to the existing circuits. So in certain scenarios, we could have more draw going on a given circuit than is currently done, just because even at 50%, we've added three times the number of lights to get to code in that area. So that has to be managed as part of the process of what we do. So then, you know, it's, it's actually, it's a great way to keep the, uh, the building techni- technology safe mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're basically saving the money, but then you're also making sure that you have the load proper to where it's supposed to be and the resources coming in that's going to give you the best coverage of lighting that you need. Yeah. Right. However, I mean, that, basically, as, that's about it. As I said, if the in exist- a layman's term, that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If the existing building is to code, uh-huh. that wouldn't be an issue. Oh, we perfect. Because we're gonna we're gonna always be using less. Well, there you have it. There you're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the Condo Expert. I've spoken with Bill Jakes, who's the president of Lumen Eight Lighting. A lot of interesting information. We'll talk to you shortly. Hang tight. We'll be right back. <laughs> 